0: Welcome to the study of purpose. This is Aaron Flagman, your co host today, reporting from Benicia, California. I'm here today with Riley Kuffner, our founder and co host. Riley, how are you doing?
1: Doing pretty well, Aaron. Thank you.
0: Very exciting interview we have planned for today. We are, as you know, conducting a study on purpose, and we feel that it is necessary to interview each other to understand our own studies of purpose before we embark on, on studying others. So, Riley, are you ready?
1: I'm ready to go. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Aaron and I thought that it was important to really start this exploration by examining each other. One, it would be great experience to go ahead and, and begin interviewing, but also to really dig into our own beliefs on the matter, to you know consider it and document it, and, you know, begin the evolution process so that we can take that forward into, you know, this incredible journey that we're now embarking upon. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, starting that.
0: As am I. Super excited. Um, But without further ado, let's do it. So, um, Riley, what's your, what is your full name? You know, I don't even know your middle name.
1: It's Riley Maximilian Kufner.
0: Maximilian. That's quite the name. What's the the story there?
1: Uh, My great-grandfather was named Maximilian. He was a chef in New York, owned a restaurant, and he actually moved, immigrated from Germany with my grandfather when uh, my grandfather was a, a young kid right before World War II.
0: Wow, okay. Yeah. you got some. My
1: last, my last name, uh, Kufner, actually, uh, it's Austrian or kind of German Austrian, and um, it means Kuf- it's pronounced Kufner,
0: hmm.
1: which means beer barrel maker.
0: Beer. I wouldn't take you as any other kind of person. All right. <laughs> so, where are you, where are you calling in from right now?
1: Uh, I'm in Santa Monica, California.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so you're in Santa Monica, and you grew up in the Bay Area, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I grew up in Mill Valley, so it's a small town just north of San Francisco.
0: Okay. Yeah, pretty close to uh, where I'm living. And um, you are born in the late 90s, right?
1: Yeah, I was born June 13th in the late 90s.
0: Summer baby. <laughs> so, so you grew up there and you, and you sort of moved down to l a and for you, like over the years in your, in, your, in your long 22 years of life, what have you sort of um, I guess as I'm now, decided what's most important to you in life?
1: Yeah, to me, I've thought about this a good amount, and I kind of have a framework for you know understanding my basic needs. And what can contribute to my overall happiness. And this came when I was at college at UCLA. And I was really starting to become existential in a sense of, of wondering what this whole life experience is all about. And I boiled it down to the first thing I really have to take care of is my health. So my you know body health uh, with exercising and my diet but also in mental health putting myself in a good mind space such that i can be the best that i can be and you know reach that state of you know self actualization that we're really working towards because i'm healthy enough to to do that to accept that so i have to start there and then the next most important thing to me is relationships so you know my You know, friends like you, man. Uh, I mean, you've been a good friend for me through UCLA. We've had some great times together and I'm looking forward to doing this podcast. So that's what I live for right behind my own personal health and, you know, also my family. So, you know, my dad, my mom, my brother, um, you know, really we're all pretty close and they mean a lot to me outside of that too. um, But they really, you know, they really do mean a lot to me. And so, you know, beyond that, I have, you know, kind of this idea of success and that's whatever, you know, you can make it out to be, but it's, you know, accomplishing your ambitions, your goals. And I'm realizing that, you know, ambitions and goals are are only so helpful and they can be hurtful as well as they are helpful, which Mm -hmm. I didn't always understand. But I still think that this is uh, a really important category and one that I really enjoy which I'm, you know, currently doing with my business Miravel and you know have been really, you know working up to to for the last 6 years or so.
0: Right. It's been a journey. I'm curious, so you, so you said that having goals can hurt you. Isn't, is that what I heard you say?
1: In a sense, yeah, it can be not advantageous in some circumstances.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I suppose sometimes, you know, if, if you're too obsessed in the future, you can't live in the moment. So, on a related note, do you think that you have a sense of purpose?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I'm still in the pursuit of finding it, but I do, you know, feel like. My, you know, purpose is to really help others, and I was—I've been super fortunate to have a number of gifts and be, you know, a healthy, talented individual, very capable, and have the support, uh, you know, that anyone could really ever need growing up. And so I'm very grateful for that. And what I want to do is—is is to pay my, you know, gifts forward and and to help others. And so that's really what I've uh, dedicated my life to.
0: Got it. Yeah, I would agree on my side as well. I think it definitely makes things better to know that you're helping people. And and you sort of said that these, these are a function of your surroundings and where you grew up and people who you were, your parents. Um, is it, so do do you remember like when you kind of discovered that it was your purpose?
1: Yeah. I remember thinking a lot about this stuff when I was a freshman in college. And one, there were a number of things that I really got into, but one thing that's really standing out to me now is an old Steve Jobs interview that I watched. And I think it was sometime in the 90s that he was talking about this stuff, but really before going back in Apple um, in a big way. And... The idea that he posed is that one day you get to the point where you recognize that society is made up. And it was made up by a whole bunch of people that are no smarter than any of us. And that we all have the ability to poke it, to put something out there and to push society in some way. And when you do that, people kind of react. And society pushes back in a sense. And you can really change the dynamic of what's going on. And so that once you understand this dynamic of really you know how our society functions on a basic level as it relates to an individual, it enables me to really think outside the box that I had before. And consider from a very fundamental level, how I could best influence and push society toward a direction that I think would be a lot better for people, individuals. And I'm really excited to go out and do that. I mean, it's, it's going to be a really great journey. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, if you view life as just you guys kind of take a step back and you you see this sort of moving life form that society is, it's sort of cool to think that you can actually affect it and maybe leave a legacy, in some capacity. Um, yeah, it's it's really cool. I feel the same way. Um and you know, you're talking about how you how did you had this realization when you were watching the Steve Jobs video or speech? Um but I think it's more than just that. Based on, you know, I you know from what I know from you, from our friendship, it sounds like you had a pretty interesting upbringing. Um were there any sort of pivotal experiences or moments in your life that you think shaped who you are today?
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly. There have been uh a number of moments throughout the years that I can think of. Um, are there any in particular that you're interested about?
0: Um, well, let's see. Let's talk about your your, your sort of parents' uh, style of parenting. Like, were there things that, you know, rules they set or flexibilities they gave you, freedoms they gave you that allow you to kind of think more openly?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think that, you know, and I've thought about you know, kind of personal development, a good amount. And that starts at, at the child level. And so I've thought about, you know, how the education process, you know, kind of goes for kids. And I've recognized that parents play a huge role in huge. that development process. Oh, it's massive. And I personally think that it's up to our society to provide more tools and resources to aid parents and support mm-hmm. them so that they can put forth good education. I don't think we're doing that well enough. Yeah. And I think that I actually was very fortunate to have two great parents who raised me really well and were actually total opposites of each other, yet kind of the same in same ways, in some ways. And so mm-hmm. it, uh, it taught me a lot just witnessing the dynamic. And it re- truly has you know, shaped who I am today. I, you have to be careful about how much I get into because, you know, this is all really personal stuff. However, you know, my, uh, you know, my mom really, you know, raised me because my folks got divorced, um, when I was about 10 years old. And so I live with my mom most of the time and then would see my dad every other weekend or so for dinners. And, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice experience. I. I was really fortunate growing up, and um, but from my parents, I got some different messages, and I took away some goods and you know some bads from both. Um, and you know, my mom's side, she you know really instilled a good sense of discipline and work ethic, um, and organization and consideration for others. And a really great morality for, you know, helping people as well. And also what it really means to be, you know, like loved. I mean, certainly from both my folks, but the amount of love that my mom, you know, felt for me and my brother, it's really special. And she sacrificed everything for us. And, you know, that's really taught me a lot. That people are capable of that. She was also very controlling, you know, in some ways, and taught me about those types of boundaries. On my dad's side, he was kind of the opposite, and where he was much more hands off, but he really empowered you to go out and make it for yourself. And Starting with how do you think about it? How do you think about these problems? And then how do you approach them? And then how do you go out and execute them? And I remember when I was, you know, a kid back in like 2009, my dad bought a new house, and this was a little bit after my folks were divorced. So he bought a new house that was really nearby, you know, where my mom was living, which was great, so we could still, you know, all be close to each other and he had a huge front yard and told me my brother and when we were first moved in he's like what do you want to do out here in the front yard and I was a big golfer and I was like oh, I want to build like a golf green is always something I thought about he thought that was great I said all right let's do it and so we started you know, mapping out how to design this golf green and planning for you know how we could do it and then we just got to work, and it was like going out there and wheel, you know, first off going out and buying the wheelbarrow, buying some of the you know rocks and whatnot for going around and building the kind of enclosure that it was that it would sit on. And then it was you know wheelbarrowing over gravel to make space, leveling the ground, and it took us about you know, two years or more to finally finalize the installation and have, you know, someone else come in and and lay down the AstroTurf in the terrain that we had established. And what it really taught me is that anything is possible. It might take, you know, a lot of work. uh, And the thing is, you just got to keep working away, but it's the power of the little and persistence is you know, what makes things happen. And it's a very you know, simplistic example, but I've really seen the same thing be true in a number of other pursuits, like when I was working on the broadcasting network that I started in high school and Home Solutions that I was running in college. And I feel like now, too, with my business, miravel uh, nothing happens overnight. And if you're you know truly determined, you just have to keep chipping away. And that lesson has, you know, always stood with me. And you know, so that was one of the you know really important things you know my dad taught me. And you know, there were there were a number of others too, and you know, how to approach adventure and, and interact with other people. And we went out, um, and my dad took me and my family, you know, my brother and mom to you know, like six Olympics at this point that I've been to in my life, all the Winter Olympics. And it's, you know, absolutely an incredible experience to you know, see the greatest and ultimate human challenge of physicality on a global scale uh, in today's community. And, you know, that's shaped me a tremendous amount and taught me a lot. Uh, going through you know those experiences and we could probably spend an entire podcast just talking about you know really what I've learned about the significance of the Olympics and how it's not really about the sport it is but it's you know really about the culture it's about the interaction of people from all over the world and coming together and uniting you know, as one in a peaceful way to spiritedly engage in a competition. And it's uh really something special. So, you know, these are all things that have, you know, gone into, you know, really what you know I believe today. And you know, I think that there are, you know, a number of, of other ones, you know, that we could probably think of. Um But those are honestly some of the, you know, very, very foundational ones from my childhood that have stuck with me.
0: Yeah, that's, wow, that's quite the answer. Um, Yeah, there's a lot to dissect there. I mean, I think since time is a constraint, I do want to ask, like, when you started this, you know, golf course with your dad, did you... Were you kind of joking when you said I want to build a golf course? Did you actually think he would be he'd be open to that? And also, did you actually expect like what were your expectations at the time? It's probably hard to remember, but like, do you remember if you thought this would actually be completed?
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I was really always quite gifted in that, and I, I think is I think it was a gift. Um, you know, maybe maybe not, but you know, it's, I think it served me well. To be a very momentary person is that I really do live in the present a lot. And that enables my mind to be pretty free and open and for me to you know, problem solve pretty well. Hmm. Uh, it also makes me you know, not have enough foresight in some regards or enough remembering of the past. And so I have to go out of my way more to think about those things. Um, but it's a trained exercise to do so. But I remember when you know I brought up this idea, I had no expectations as to how it was going to be done. I just knew I wanted it to be done. And um, my dad guided us and helped us identify the steps on our own. He said, what do you think we should do? How do you think we could you know, begin building it? Where do you think we should put it? And we walked through and talked about the different sites. You know, we probably spent a few weeks thinking about that and talking about the sites. And we would discuss it, finally settle on a plan that we all agreed on. And then we would, you know, look at the site, start planning out the process. And it was us, you know, leading the way through the problem solving, but my dad just guiding us. And that's what a good teacher does, you know, um, let's you. You know, kind of make the decisions, empowers you to make the decisions, but it guides you along the way. And then eventually, you're able to go out and make more and more of those decisions for yourself. You require less and less guidance.
0: Right. I think that something very important that you mentioned, which I think has probably served you very well, is the fact that he let you lead the way and he would sort of, you know, correct you when you messed up. Or, you know, something you were saying was not <laughs> – he wasn't down for <laughs> Right. That in his backyard. Or his front yard, um, like that's just a kind of a metaphor, a little, or maybe like a yeah, sort of a a series of, of lessons that you you know everyone faces today, like doing something, sort of facing the unknown, making a mistake, learning from it, and then continuing your life. But you did that sort of an accelerated in form. Um, yeah, you're a lucky dude for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah my dad was pretty cool to talk through that kind of stuff, and you know, that idea is kind of like servant leadership. You know you're leading to serve your people, to serve your customer. You know they're really coming first, and you're just there to guide the way to fulfill it for these stakeholders and I think that's certainly an angle of my leadership style that I try to approach in the different organizations and and roles that I play. And I learned that I think in large part from my dad.
0: Definitely. So, I mean, obviously he's somebody you look up to. Who are others that you look up to?
1: Yeah, my dad is certainly a role model of mine. My mom is as well. You know, her she's a very strong woman who like I said, you know, earlier has really taught me about love. And that's a powerful thing. She's done well by me and my brother, and I look up to that a lot.
0: Yeah, so family is really important. Are there any like, you know, beyond your family, you know, people in history you look up to?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I'm very careful about my role models and who I look up to. The next person on my mind is, is my Uncle Avery, who recently passed away uh, this year, a few months ago. And I was really sad. Probably the closest person in my life that you know, I've, I've had pass away. And it really meant a lot to me. His kids you know, are still are still here and and you know they're my good friends. So it's been tough and you know their transition here and and change of things because you know they're also pretty young. They're younger than me. Uh, and you know just kind of finishing up high school. So, you know, and Avery was a guy I really looked up to in some ways. You know, everyone has flaws and I think Avery had a number of them, but His, you know, genuine sense of adventure and charisma was uh, contagious, and the man had so much fun, and he knew how to inspire that and share it with others, and that was really cool uh, to witness. And he was also, you know, a leader in his right. The captain, and he taught me a lot about you know what it means to to have that you know kind of leadership role and be responsible for a crew you know crew on your ship. His father, you know, was the former president of the International Olympic Committee, Avery Brundage, and you know that's you know why you know and in some part my dad you know was was so close with Avery and and why he was going to. You know all these Olympics, um, was, you know, because he met Avery when he was going to college at Stanford, and uh, you know they had been friends for all those years. And uh, when I was a junior in college, I remember I was a little bit stressed out. I was, yeah, trying to figure out what I was going to do for a job after college. I was starting to think about that stuff, and like I said, I was. I'm a momentary you know, thinker, and so I was doing well in all my pursuits. But I was thinking forward, and you it know, wasn't that I was stressed out, but I was unsure. And so I was talking to Avery about that, and he looked at me just so confused. He said, what are you worrying about? You don't have to worry about the job. The job is going to come to you. Just follow the charisma and follow the momentum. You know what it feels like. Just ride it all the way home. And I'll never forget that because, you know, it really sunk in with me and, you know, reassured me that I do know what that feels like and I don't have to worry about anything. I can just follow that, take it where it goes. It's the most powerful force I have. And so that's what I've done, you know, continuing from one pursuit to the next and, you know, plan to to continue with.
0: Yeah. Sounds like yeah it's that that one conversation you have with him really meant a lot <clears throat> and it's funny how when you're young i mean especially when you're, like, you're in college and like you know younger the, you know these things stick with you definitely i have some things similar things that happened to me when um when i was growing up and i'll say that for now I'll say that for next week um a little cliffhanger but uh indeed yeah. <laughs> um let's move on to you know where I, you know, where where we met and and talk about sort of how we met and, uh, you know, that being Solar Decathlon and Bruin Solutions at UCLA. And, you know, Riley was, was involved before I was. So I kind of want to understand like what got you into that?
1: Yeah, it was an interesting journey. And I guess I'll tell it from the beginning, but just move from one thing to the next relatively quickly. Because I don't know if I've really mapped it out myself before, sure. and I remember I came into college, I didn't want to join a frat because I didn't necessarily want to put myself in that community. I wanted to invest my time elsewhere in building something, and so you know I was looking around for some organizations to become a part of. I found this club called. REA, the Renewable Energy Association, and it piqued my interest because they were working on building a solar decathlon home for 2019, you know, part of an energy solar decathlon competition, and I thought that was super cool. Uh, my dad, you know, was a ran a massive general contracting firm uh, for you know his primary career, and I had experience with building you know, stuff my whole life growing up, um, you know, for example, like the golf course we talked about. So I thought it'd be th- super cool to design a net zero energy home and to, you know, build it. And that was, you know, my primary, you know, thought at the time it was like, yeah, that just seems like, you know, cool thing to do. Uh, and so I joined this club and we'd go to the first meeting. There's a breakoff session. I go to the solar decathlon team. It's just a few people who are really interested in it. And we were at ground zero. So, you know, it was me, this guy, Karan, and I think Paul Ramstad, actually. And yeah, it was the three of us, basically. I picked up this thing for REA. We were working on it for a couple of quarters, really, I guess the fall quarter. And then in the winter quarter, we were working on it still. We realized that we needed to. Know, branch this thing off and make it to its own effort because it was so substantial and significantly different from the other stuff REA was doing. So we formed another group uh, that was basically the solar decathlon team at UCLA. And that's right about when we bring you on when we were we were recruiting for a spring quarter. And I think we were reaching out to a number of friends and you were interested in the project,
0: during Yeah, I don't I remember. I don't remember how I got involved or like what led me to walking into the room. Well, I love solar, so that was obvious and there was I wanted to join a solar related thing and that was one of the only ones, so it was actually kind of simple.
1: <laughs> uh, there you go, yeah. So it was, you know, along my way of you know, working on on that club and developing it and you know, doing the project that I started to you know, go through this personal development journey and think a lot more philosophically about the world. And remember, I was in a political philosophy class when we were examining, you know, communism versus capitalism and the different ways that they functioned. And one thing that I thought was fascinating is that at a core level, they were both intended to maximize the same thing. And that's free time for people. was it was a major theme in in both these political structures on a fundamental level was the maximization of free time. And I realized that time is truly the greatest currency that we have, far you know, more significant than money. And that time is, you know, today spent by many people in not necessarily such efficient nor productive ways. And it really got me, you know, considering how to, you know, help people spend their time and invest it in themselves so that they can work toward accomplishing whatever they would like to go out and accomplish. And having that success element that I, you know, kind of talked about at the very beginning. And I realized that, You know, a large number of people today in our society, like I think it's 79% of people in America have less than $1,000 in savings. And these people are working day to day just to make ends meet, pay for their rent, put food on the table. And they spend all this time working for other people. They never have the opportunity to invest in themselves to advance. Some people do, and they don't have the tools or the awareness to recognize that they do have that time to go out and pursue, you know, these things, but they don't have the tools to, to recognize that. And so, you know, we see a lot of people watching a tremendous amount of television, and some is constructive, but not necessarily all of it. And, and spending their time in these various other ways, I you know, realize though, at a fundamental level. The key here is to you know, break this cycle where people have to spend most of their time, the majority of it, working for somebody else rather than investing in themselves. And the real key there is providing like the basic resources necessary for, for survival for folks. The energy, water, food, and shelter that we need to lead functioning lives in our today's society. And that really was something that I got behind and recognized that we need a lot of help on today in our world. And there are some very tangible steps that we can take to advance it. So I'm going to be a champion of that because it's something that you know, is really important to me that I love is helping others and providing these resources so that they can go out And accomplish their dreams it's you know something that i'm good at i have a lot of practice organizing teams and executing projects and you know being a leader in this way i've I've always done that through my educational career and extracurriculars and whatnot and i really love building things i'm good at building things it's something that the world needs because you know this is going to be able to impact a lot of people and ideally help them get the resources that they need so that they can invest in themselves and become the best person that they can be. And it's also something that I think that I can make a living off of. Cause I think that you can make a living off of you know, anything if you provide enough value for others. And so and that's, that's the idea.
0: Right. So <clears throat> yeah, Soda Decathlon was, Providing energy, and then I guess now you're providing food. you're sort of knocking off the different uh, and of course shelter for soil decathlon. um
1: Well, yeah, the idea with solar decathlon was actually to provide all of them. <laughs> the energy, water, food, and shelter all in one place, and that's still the goal. That's still my goal is to, is to do that. but I'm just starting with the food element because I recognize that it needs a lot of work. Um, there are a lot of people working on you know energy solutions right now. Um, shelter uh, requires a lot of capital, and so I need to advance more in my career before I can raise that kind of capital to invest in serious housing shelter projects. And food is something that you know is seriously broken in our centralized system, and has a very simple solution: is to decentralize and grow food, fresh food, where people live, where they're hanging out, where they're eating. And that's what Miravell is really all about. And I think that it ultimately is going to be a vastly much more efficient way of producing the food that people need to survive. And, you know, our ultimate mission is to drive the world's transition to decentralized food production. And our higher purpose is to empower individuals to lead more healthy, happy, and sustainable lives
0: definitely agree I mean I, I envision and you know uh, you know my my idea of the future is you know like in Star Trek right they're able to like produce food in their in this magical box that just zaps out <laughs> what they want you, you know what I'm talking about
1: something like that yeah,
0: like this is essentially a step to that dire- in that direction,
1: yeah, I would say microwaves also were a huge step in that direction, but uh, this you know this is different, this is different because it, It's life. We're bringing life to people, and you know that hasn't quite been done in this way. So I'm I'm really excited. I think I mean I think it's going to be huge.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. So along these different pursuits, you know, I mean, I don't know. Compared to a lot of friends we have, it's a little different. A little more cavalier. You know, were there friends or people you knew who discouraged you at all to do you know to kind of pursue? rather unconventional choices probably
1: but i didn't listen to them i don't really listen to you know i mean i i hear people but when it comes to these things that i know in my heart you know and that are so personal to me and really you know what my purpose is that's something that unless it's seriously affecting those around me i you know i'm not going to compromise
0: nice yeah steadfast
1: said fast yeah no i plus i've been extremely fortunate to have really supportive people in my life i right. can imagine many many people that have supported me along the way and i can't think of, of very many that have said you know that's stupid or that's a dumb idea or you shouldn't be doing this you should you know go out and get a real job <laughs> you know i actually haven't heard that very much most of the people have been extremely supportive of what I'm doing, including the people that mean the most to me, my parents and my family and, you know, some of these other mentors and role models that I worked with at at Home Solutions who, you know, one of, a couple of them came in and invested in my company. And so that, you know, that, that gave me a tremendous amount of, of confidence that I was on the right path and, you know, also commitment to stick to that for you know, these people, for myself, and, and for the mission and for what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so moving forward, what are, you know, what are you looking forward to about hosting this with me? What are some of the hopes you have?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. This is a great journey that I think that we're embarking upon. And I didn't quite recognize it, I think, when we were first talking about the idea But now, you know, I think it's going to be a fantastic platform to really study one of these very fundamental questions of life is what is it all about? What is the meaning? What is our purpose? And I have a sense of that right now. However, I'm sure that is wrong in many, many ways, many more ways than it is. It is right. And the only way to learn and to really advance that learning is to go out and ask the questions. And so that's what we'll go do. We're going to go out. We're going to ask the questions to examine what this is really all about. And we hope to share it with you you guys, the audience, and take you through this journey so that we can hopefully all advance our understanding of what life is and all take one more step toward discovering our purpose and toward you know, achieving it, Re- reaching that state of self-actualization and achieving our dreams. So you know, I think that it's going to be a lot of fun to do that with you, Aaron. And we've got a responsibility on our hands. To make that happen for ourselves and for our listeners.
0: Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah, man, I, tef- I definitely agree. I think it's. I'm, I'm. I think that there's a lot of people our age and even older, or younger, that don't really know the answer to these questions, and it's best. i My in my opinion, it's best to hear from those who have figured these questions out to learn for yourself. So that's what we're, trying, we're trying to facilitate that. Um yeah, it's quite exciting. Um totally.
1: Yeah, so one more, you know, thing that I am looking forward to in particular is after this current project that I'm working on, Miravel, I really want to build a van and then drive that van and live out of it down through South America and, you know, all around all around North America and then down through South America and really just explore the land, explore the culture. And I'm looking forward to taking this podcast with me on that journey to explore the purpose of all these individuals that I may meet along the way. And so hopefully I can achieve that goal that I want to reach toward. I anticipate it may be a few years off, but that's something that stands out to me and gets me really excited about starting this thing.
0: Van life, baby. That's what I'm talking about. I, I, did, not, I did not know that you wanted to do that. That's, that's cool. I think that would be a, definitely a journey. I can, I can imagine it now. You, you uh, posted up in your van hosting this podcast. We got gray hair. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's only yeah,
1: a <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm hoping to do that in my 20s <laughs> um you know we'll we'll see how this business i'm currently working on goes i'm you know hoping it goes well in which case i'll be working on that for a while right
0: right absolutely so let's uh finish off with the last couple wild card questions just kind of um different not really related to the previous talk um this is sort of a one that i've been thinking about um, what is your favorite form of artistic expression? That's a great question. I think hmm. that's
1: such a tough question because there are so many different forms of art. I can see art in almost anything because art, the real essence of it is emotion. And I sit on my couch, and I look at my Dark Side of the Moon LP record and think of that incredible music art. And I also sit here looking at my bong and seeing the way the glass is blown. My apartment has this architectural style, a little header that runs along the top edge between the ceiling and the wall. Architecture is an incredible form of art. I'm looking at my book collection, some of my favorite books, including Brave New World, Fahrenheit 451, Animal Farm, The Odyssey. Incredible, incredible stories that taught me a tremendous amount. And then we have other forms of art, like sex, which are incredibly sensual and transcend a lot of these other experiences in a way. And I would like to say that I'm a student of all these different art forms.
0: <laughs> Next question. All right. <laughs> um, interesting. I think art, there's so many ways of communicating it, um, and it's interesting how you don't really ch- you don't really want to choose a certain form of expression. You're stand, you're stand, you're abstaining, I'm not trying to be political. I see. Um, what about this? What about you know? Is, is there anything in history that was at one point deemed useful and still is considered useful that doesn't currently exist in our in our society right now?
1: Certainly, there are many things. One that I was actually researching. Uh, fairly recently, is the Archimedes corkscrew. It's a mechanism for transporting water through a pipe from one location to another. That is basically just a screw mechanism that spins around that very simply mechanically forces the water through the pipe. And it's very efficient in certain applications where there isn't a big head. The water doesn't have to go up very high. And there are very large volumes of water, yet it's not used very much. And that's simply because this form of engineering isn't really being taught anymore and isn't on people's radar. So that's just one example, but the list goes on and on. I think there's a lot to learn from ancient cultures. And that's why uh, ancient art and archaeology and ancient society and philosophy, those have been you know, some of the most interesting things that I've gone out and studied.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's where all the information to learn from is, man. I feel like if more people, if there was more of a focus on history in our society, then we'd be, we'd be uh, not really worried. A lot of our problems would be solved already. You know, because a lot of it is just repetition of what's already happened, just in different, different people. Um,
1: That's true. History is
0: important. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a great, great talk and, you know, a very really interesting <clears throat> episode. And I, I think that I'll, you know, over the next couple of episodes and future episodes, I'll, we'll, I'll learn more you know, about what drives you through your questions and your responses to, uh, you know, your responses to other people's answers. Yeah. So yeah. Any, any last words?
1: Absolutely. I think that, you know, this is going to be a continual journey for you and I and when we're going through and you know, interacting with other people that we're going to bring on the show. And so we're going to learn about ourse- a lot about ourselves you know, throughout that process and you know, share that with you know, others along the way. But I'm glad that we got the chance to talk through it, set a baseline. This was a pretty intimate conversation. Um, one of the more you know, intimate ones and open and honest ones I think I've ever had and really shared with folks. And so, you know, I would say that overall, good experience, good talking through it. And, you know, I hope that sheds some, you know, insight on me and where I'm coming from. And really what, you know, I believe my purpose is as Riley Maximilian Kufner. And, you know, where I stand is that, you know, I have an idea and, and I'm working toward it. Uh, but I recognize that it's really not about the end destination. It's about the journey. It's about perpetually living through it. and so. I'm just going to continue doing that day in and day out, following the charisma, following the momentum with the ultimate goal of helping others and really empowering them to go out and achieve self-actualization.
0: Absolutely. You hear that, folks? Follow the charisma, follow the momentum. Thank you so much for listening. Um, We'll see you next week on The Study of Purpose.
1: Excellent.